Do you want financial freedom from your everyday nine to five? Do you want to learn how to flip, rent, sell, and market homes in your area? Let the tricksters of the real estate market help you. They always have another trick up their sleeve when it comes to getting a deal. Your host, Tim Melton and Travis Mercer. Okay, talk number four here with Tim and Travis in Charlotte, North Carolina. Talk number four. Travis, today I think we're going to talk about some things that are really exciting to me. Um, Number one, making money in real estate. Um, And again, I guess that's really what we're all after in the end is to be able to provide for our families uh, you know, in, in a manner that gives us some flexibility and some freedom. So I want to hit on a couple of things today about uh, land entitlement and some ways that you can maximize what you're doing in real estate. And this is a this is a good trick here. This you almost make you you make money almost out of thin air on this one. It takes a lot of work, but the the true profit's already there. You just got to unlock it. Yeah, absolutely true. So um, you know, we're going to talk about land entitlement today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how much of the work should you actually be doing on these projects that you take on? Is your time better spent uh, pulling up tack strip, uh, replacing old carpet, or is your time better spent researching the next deal? Travis, why don't you tell me how your time's better spent? Well, <laughs> that's funny. One of my early flips, and, and, and I, this is Travis, and when I was out there and I was excited, and of course, I finally got a, a property and we're out there working on the project, and I had hired a GC to to manage it in order to save some costs. And, and I didn't have the capital necessarily at the time to be running multiple uh, flips or multiple deals. But Tim called me up and, and I, I, was literally, I was pulling up tax trips at the time. And he says, he says well, hey, Travis, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm pulling, I'm pulling up tax trips. And do you remember what he said? I probably said something to, to the effect of you need to be on the computer and pay somebody else to pull up that tax strip. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and that's basically what, you know, he said. Well, I, think he, I think he said, get up, get stand up, stand up. So I, I said, I'm like, what? what? Is there something going on? So you walk outside. So I walked outside in the parking lot. I said, what? What's, what, what's going on? He said, all right, now, Travis, let, let me ask you. Is that the highest, best use of your time? And I just had to sit there and think about it. And, yeah. And it came, obviously it wasn't, it, I need to come to that realization at the time. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of right feeds into what we're talking about today is what is, that's the highest, best use of time. And we discovered through that, or at least I discovered through that process that my time is a lot more valuable analyzing deals and working with other, uh, other investors. If, even if I'm not the one purchasing the deal to be going and find, taking that, finding those deals and taking them to other investors. But so that was, you know, discovering the highest, best use of my time. And today's kind of more about uh, the highest, best use of land. Yeah, and you know, there are times when your highest and best use of your time is pulling up tax strips. I'm not saying that that's a menial task that uh, does not go unappreciated, but once you get established and once you're starting to, to navigate your way through real estate, you've really got to become very efficient at using your time because one thing we all have is we all have the same 24 hours in a day and we have to figure out how to best use those 24 hours to each of our individuals uh, best benefits. So we wanted to share a little bit with you about, you know, going back to uh, our talk number one, when when Travis and I were talking to you guys about what we did and how we uh, got started. You know, I remember uh, talking uh, on that talk, uh, talk one with Tim and Travis about how my goal was to buy distressed properties, uh, get them fixed up and rent them out, 
and make $100 a month. That was my goal. I wasn't smart enough at the time to figure out that's only $1,200 a year so that if my air conditioner had to be replaced in the first year, I was in the hole. But look, the great thing was I took action and got moving, and that has really started to change the financial outlook of uh, my future and my family's future. So now that we've got kids in college, and I've got to be very, very conscientious about where I spend my time, and I've got to obviously now with... Uh, our first in college and four more right behind him on the way. We got to figure a way to be very, very productive, which leads me to today's topic about land entitlement and highest and best use of your time once you get your feet wet in real estate and once you kind of start doing some research. And this isn't, yeah, and this one, and you know, we'll definitely get more in depth on this topic as we go. But we're going to try and at least cover the surface on this thing today. This is not. Probably not one of the ones you want to pull across first, but it's just a really cool topic that um, I think Tim certainly has more experience in this, but it's something cool to kind of talk to you guys about and maybe give you a future goal. So, you know, uh, from from the very beginning, we told you we're just going to talk real estate with you. Uh, matter of fact, honest and truthful. We're going to talk to you about that. And uh, I got to thinking about, you know, how how we've made money in different situations uh, in the things we've been involved in. We've, we've made money buying and fixing up and reselling property. We've made a lot of money buying and fixing up and rent, renting property. We've made money converting rental properties to Airbnb. We've bought raw land and sold it. We've bought foreclosures. We've bought tax sales. We've bought short sales. So a little bit of everything. But I ran across this highest and best use of time challenge as it pertains to changing the value of dirt in what literally seems out of thin air. So we're going to tell you a little bit about uh, a property that we purchased and changed the zoning on it and the differences in the numbers on the property. So we're going to, we're going to speak so about when that. You, when, you, when you first bought the property, how many houses could you put on that? So we bought this property. It was 3.31 acres in Charlotte. And the zoning that was in when you bought it? It was a residential. Well, at that point in time, it was actually zoned commercial because there was a daycare. Okay. The, the property that was there was a uh, former four-bedroom a two-and-a-half bath house that had been converted from a daycare. Now, when, when it was a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house, it was zoned residential, R3, within the city of Charlotte. Well, what is, and for, don't get too, we don't want to get too far into the zoning codes, but so R3, you can put right around three houses per acre. Basically, you can, on, on an R3 zoning, you can put literally three houses per acre. There was only one house on this 3.3 acres at the time. However. What's a, what's a, What's a house um, going for in that area? Uh, well, at the time we bought this in that area, houses were commonly selling between seventy-five thousand and one hundred and fifty thousand. Now, new construction homes are commonly selling above seven hundred and fifty, between seven hundred and fifty and one point two million. Well, just in order to kind of reduce or to, or to get out of the time factor of this thing, let's just kind of assume that the whole zoning were to take place in the same time frame. So when you started the rezoning process, not just when you acquired it, but you, the rezoning process, when you started that, what were houses trading for in that area? Right right around the 600 or so? Yeah, about 600, 650 okay. right in there. Yep. So a small amount of this is going to just be from the real estate market coming up. But so you could put, what, three three, uh, three acres, you're looking at roughly seven houses with the amount of infrastructure has to go in, something like that? Yeah, seven to 10 houses was what uh, was originally slated for the property. So you're looking at about total home sales. If you lose use eight houses, you're at four point eight uh, million dollars in total retail homes. 
on the land. And that's what the, the land was entitled to do at the time you started your rezoning process. That's about right. So we were looking at uh, looking at that um, roughly close to a $5 million project uh, because of the area. But the area in Charlotte uh, that this property was located had really gotten hot in the past year and a half. And so the market was just willing to pay what we thought were astronomical prices. So when I saw what things were selling for, I said, well, look, we could, we could reach out and try to get this thing rezoned. Now, that would cost us about... Seventy-five thousand dollars. So, so this isn't for the this isn't for the rookie. It's, well, the, it's for the rookie if they've got a lot of money. So uh, you know, how I, did you even how did you even figure out how much it was going to cost? Who'd you who'd you call? Well, that's another whole talk with Tim and Travis. But uh, to make the long story short, you know that includes in, you know you've got to get engineering, you've got to get your water department, you've got to get your power department, you've got to get uh, state department of transportation involved so that you can find out exactly what you can and what you cannot yield on the dirt. So that's that's kind of a complicated process. But for the purposes of this talk, let's kind of let's kind of just get back to simple things. We want to we want to give you guys hope and not overwhelm you with, you know, with the details. But the stories are very very accurate. So this property was purchased for about two hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and like uh, Travis was pointing out, we could have put about ten houses on that property at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, I used eight, but yeah. Eight. Yeah, eight to ten. I, you know, it had some topo challenges, so your yield would have probably been better at eight. Um, um, but topo's topography for any of you guys that aren't 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 aware of that. Yeah, it's how you you know whether your whether your property's flat or whether it's hilly makes a huge difference in the final cost of development. Um, so once we saw what was going on in the market and how much new newly constructed homes were selling for per square foot and the sizes of the houses in this particular area, we decided, you know, this just makes sense to invest another $75,000 to try to get a successful rezoning. Now, caution here to anybody thinking that you can go out and get rich quick doing this. You can spend the $75,000 and when it comes to county commission for a vote, you can be voted down. So your money is at risk. But for us, in this particular case, we felt like the risk was worth taking. And there's different places. And in Charlotte, there's actually a Charmac 2020. Uh, there's some different plans where you can go. And, and and this particular property was actually it was kind of difficult to see what the city wanted to be done. But there are places you can go to determine what the city is looking to have property zoned. Yeah, that's right. Most municipalities, cities, towns, jurisdictions... They will have a plan that reaches out 20 years into the future. So, uh, you know, great starting point is to research your town and your city's uh, futuristic plan. Where, where do the powers that be, the county commissioners, the mayor, where do they see the growth going? And if you can get in the way of that growth, a lot of times you can be successful and make a lot of money just on the dirt. So, and you're working with the city. And you're working with the city. You're, you're creating good infill housing and you're, you're doing projects that bring value to other people also. So it's not just about making money. It's about more or less creating be- bigger and better value. So let's get back to this little 3.31 acre So how many houses were you going, were you trying to get to to rezoned on it? So we were trying to get it rezoned. The maximum that our engineers told us they felt like we'd have a shot at was a rezoning called UR2 conditional, which would have allowed us to take the same 3.31 acres and get a yield of 17 lots. Now that's the maximum density. Um, 
so we were we were gunning for 17 lots knowing it's a partial political process you got to have neighborhood meetings you got to get the neighbors on board so, and a lot so of times, all right so for the people keeping up with the math on that one i just got to step back in here so on the, the original dirt we were looking at you know and we're going to assume it was 600 uh, 600 000 per door uh we're going to justify that to the neighborhood so if we were if you were able to get 17 on there, that jumps it from 4.8 million to the value of the dirt, or I'm sorry, or the full retail at 10.2. So it's it's it substantially um, increases the value of the dirt. It doubles it. It more than doubles it. Yeah. So hence hence the talk about uh, creating value out of thin air uh, and and thin air and seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> and a lot of work. However. <laughs> The juice is worth the squeeze in this case because, you know, literally here we are taking a property that we paid $270,000 for. We're adding a lot of my time and $75,000, and we're going in front of city council for a vote, which was voted affirmative. So that $270,000 property— Did they actually approve you on all 17, or did they knock you back a little bit? Well, that's that's where the negotiation comes in. So part of the rezoning process is that you are required— to have open forum meetings for neighbors to participate. And you have to, you have to invite every neighbor in a certain radius, which uh, your rezoning agent typically will send out the notices. Then you have to put your thick skin coat on and go to the meetings because you've got everybody and their brother that doesn't want to see a project come to fruition there fighting against you. Most people act out of fear, and fear of the unknown motivates them to vote no and say negative things no matter what you're doing. So that's kind of uh, the hard part of it, and that's what's time-consuming. This particular rezoning took almost a year. Okay. But th- during those meetings, you also have the opportunity to kind of alleviate some of those fears. You do. You, you know, it's a negotiation process. So we were trying to get 17. It became obviously uh, obvious to us very, very early in the process that um, we were going to get serious pushback on 17 houses because we were stacking them in as tight as we could get them. So we started to negotiate, started to make concessions, and what we ended up with uh, was a project that the neighbors would support at 15 units on the 3.31 acres. And, and during that uh, the, well, year or so, a little bit more maybe, what, what happened in that particular neighborhood as far as the home values? Well, and, and, and let me just kind of give you the retail sales volume. When we started the rezoning, new construction was selling at about $198 to $225 a square foot. So just do your math on a 1,000-square-foot house, 198000 to 225000 Yeah. By the time the rezoning was completed, things were closing at 270000 to two hundred eighty-five. excuse me, $270 to $285 a square foot. So on the high side of both of those, it went from 225 to 285 225 to 285 on the high, yep. Yeah. Per foot. Yeah. Per foot. Yeah. So 4,000-square-feet in a house, 3,000-square-feet in a house, and do your math. Yeah. So that took the project to close to a $12 million retail sellout project, okay. which means based upon the normal builder math, they'll put about 25% into a lot that just getting acceptable rezoning improves the value of the lots to $150,000 per lot. So we've got 15 lots at $150,000 per lot. And that equals $2.25 million on the dirt. So the value of the dirt, let's, let's recap for a minute. 
$270,000 purchase price. Right. A year of work and negotiating and uh, spending $75,000 as an, inve- an additional investment into the dirt to yield, after a successful vote in front of city council, a $2.25 million piece of dirt. Wow. That's, that's, an, that's an, an amazing rate of return. And that's what I say when I'm, when I'm talking about entitlement. You know, literally, the dirt didn't change in the past year. The dirt's still the dirt. The trees are still there. Um, you know, the dirt is still what was there a year ago. But the perceived value has been increased dramatically simply by taking it through an entitlement process of changing the zoning. So that's kind of the, the story of the day that we wanted to share about entitlement. Now, a lot of you... Um, you know, you've got to understand, I started buying uh, rental properties and fixing up properties, and my goal, again, was $100 positive cash flow per month on a house if I bought it, to doing a deal that, you know, I can invest a year's worth of time and, and money in and literally pick up $2 bucks. So that's what entitlement process will do. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, changing your financial future and, and changing the future of your family and your outlook, um, it's, it's not difficult, but it does take diligence. You can't, you know, I've read hundreds of books on real estate. I've sat and had lunches with my attorneys, my CPAs. You know, you've got to put your team together and you've got to do your work. You know, nobody's going to walk up to you and offer you a $270,000 piece of dirt that, and, and say, oh, by the way, if you do this, 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 you can pick up $2 million bucks on it. You've got to actually put in the legwork. And that's one, the, one of the things that I want to make sure that in our talks, the Tim and Travis talks, that we just shoot you straight from the hip so that you know this is the deal and it can be done. We're doing it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Excellent. I really appreciate you telling, the, uh, telling us that story today and letting us know how that one worked out for you. And it was, it was, that was, that's a, that's, that's a great way of showing people how to continue to, to create wealth. And, um, another great trick is to find out the highest, best use of land and the highest, best use of people's time. And we're also going to talk in, in one of our talks about, um, states that do not operate like North Carolina states that actually sell their tax lien certificates because we had another great, um, Great experience where we were able to buy from the uh, tax department lots that we paid $1,250 per lot for. And we turned around after about a three-year cleaning up process, much like the process we described about entitlements, and have those under contract to, to go through a closing Jan- January the 18th at $125,000 per lot average. Awesome. Uh, for our next episode, though, I think let's go, we're going to go ahead and cover. Um, so we've got some people listening now. Let's cover the first way to kind of get some money in your pocket in real estate. That's what I really want to talk about. I think we've got some people want to want to hear that out there. So on our next episode, we're going to give you guys a couple ideas of the, the first baby steps into finding a way to get uh, your first dollars in your pocket out of real estate. So stay tuned. We'll go. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Talk to you soon.